Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Do you like what you're hearing right now? Then be sure to check out VOC Nation. Whether it's on VOCNation.com or your favorite podcast provider, VOC Nation offers the greatest in live and on-demand content, great interviews, and incredible insight from those who have lived the business. Seven days a week, VOCNation.com. And don't forget to check us out on Twitter at VOCNation. Well, good evening, everybody, and welcome to another episode of WCW Retro, this being a Thanksgiving Day special. Um, I'm again Howard Morgan, your interim host, filling in for Stro Maestro, who continues to recover um, from a very uh, serious illness. Um, we can just continue to pray for um, his recovery and, um, you know, his, his overall health. It seems like he's doing um, very well. Uh, I've talked to him through Facebook um, Messenger. He seems to be doing well. He seems to be on the on the rebound and on the mend, and uh, you know, on the way back um, to his old self. And hopefully, we can have him back here um, on the show, you know, very very quickly. Um, hopefully, in the next couple of months, as he just kind of gets things sorted out and gets his health back on track, and just continue to pray for him. Um, and his recovery. Um, continue to pray for um, Granny Hulkster's uh, husband, Dave, um, who's battling an illness. Um, they've had a couple ups and downs over the, the last couple of weeks or so. Um, just continue to pray for Granny and her uh, husband, um, David, and as always, continue to pray for our good buddy, uh, Chaz Moretti, who is on the mend um, and doing well from a um, pretty serious injury um, that he had. Um, But uh, tonight we're going to uh, talk a little bit about um, Thanksgiving traditions in the world of professional wrestling. And, you know, uh, speak of the devil, um, he just called. And if you want to call in and join in the chat, uh, that was 914-338-1885. And I'm kind of very excited to uh, bring him on and just kind of get a little bit more of an update. As we, we got an update on him Tuesday, we got a chance to talk to him. We're going to get a chance to talk to him again here. Um, Chaz, my brother, how are you doing? How was your Thanksgiving? Well, Howard, thank you for that marvelous introduction. Uh, my Thanksgiving <laughs> was great. I, I spent the entire day with my wife. Yeah, I was annoying her, so it was a good day for me, bad day for her, because uh, 
kind of got on her nerves. But that just means that I'm getting back to being normal. And you are home, so you annoyed her at home, which was even better. Yes, yes, at home was awesome. And, uh, <laughs> you know, it's kind of funny because she's still not used to me uh, doing the stretching that I need to do in order to uh, keep my hip muscles and my my uh, and my back muscles and my core strong so that I can get this level three bionic that I'm scheduled to get in a couple of months. Um, but you know, with that being said, uh, we had a, we had a good day together. Uh, one person I want to give a, a nice uh, shout out to who's really uh, battling some pretty severe illnesses. He's battling cancer. Uh, he had a small stroke, and now he's dealing with a collapsed lung. Is our old friend, the amazing Velvet, and so I hope uh, I hope things continue to improve for Velvet, and he's on the mend, and uh, he's back to being his old self again. So I wanted to include that shout out. But I mean, you know, as I said on Tuesday, and I wasn't smart about it. I should have listened to my wife and. And gone and gone Sunday instead of Tuesday, but I contracted a staph infection through a, a blister on my right foot, and within two days it ate up not only my right foot it was climbing up my leg, and uh, I had to have emergency sur I had, to have emergency surgery to amputate below the knee to kill the infection, and then I had five days later a second surgery to retract and build the skin flap and the muscle flap, which I didn't agree with the surgeon about, and I'll be public about it. I told him he should have left enough muscle and skin to close me up below the knee, but I, he didn't, and I, I was kind of, uh, I agree, but I was kind of rocked and hard-placed into agreeing that a second surgery because I had an open wound. The hell was I supposed to do, right? Uh, right, right? So long story short, I've got a, an above the knee amputation, which is a little bit was a little bit more difficult rehab. Um, they they uh, scheduled me for the rehab center on the what is it Monday was the sixth by Friday. So yeah. on the tenth, shut up. On the tenth, I had gotten into the rehab center. Eleventh, I started all the PT and OT, uh, all the training. Uh, basically, physical therapy was leg day. Occupational therapy was arm day. And I had them both for an hour and a half each day. So I did three hours of some days, two a day, some days, you know, three of one, two of the other, and other days uh, six, three and three, which, you know, was fine. Uh, by the time I had my fitness test this past Tuesday, I had uh, I had smashed records when I did the initial test. Uh, my endurance was such where I wheeled 100 and on the wheelchair, I, I traversed 180 feet in six minutes, which was six yards. Uh, by the time last Tuesday rolled around, I had done 390 feet, which is 130 yards. So it's a football field from end zone to end zone, plus 10 yards in six minutes. Uh, they had taught me how to stand up on a walker, which I went from doing one or two reps to doing uh, 10 reps pretty much in a row. And then they had me uh, learning basically to to step forward or to hop on, on my left leg, which is, still, which is now my good leg. 
And uh, the first day out, I did no more than eight. Uh, for the last fitness test day out, they, they shot me a goal of 10. And I exceeded that by double. I did 20, which broke a record. So Wednesday, they released no. me and sent me home. Uh, my family believes I should have been there longer. I don't agree with them, and too bad. So now I'm home, and a lot of what I've been doing, and I mean, I can still stand on the walker. I can still step forward. I can pivot on the walker if need be. Um, but my transfers to my chair, flawless. And uh, I'm able to pretty much do what I did, you know, prior to the injury in terms of reaching things and um, and cooking and um you know, washing and cleaning dishes and myself and whatnot. So, and my wife has been a, my wife's been a tremendous help. And the queen of the run-ins is here, and you ought to call in. No kidding. That's right. But she's been a tremendous help, both uh, from a moral support standpoint and from a physical support standpoint. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. And uh, my parents have been very helpful, you know, is, uh, has been uh, greatly appreciated. I mean, they, they sent up uh, dinner last night, and they sent up uh, – we shared Thanksgiving dinner. They sent – because I'm not able to go up and downstairs, so they, they, uh, they sent up dinner today, um, which was awesome. Uh, the one thing I'm going to have a hard time getting used to is that um, because of the expediency sake and convenience sake, I had to they had to erect a, uh, uh, a an armed commode, you know. So uh, the idea of uh, of having a drop down bucket commode in my room is uh, going to take a little getting used to, and it keeps me humble. Supposedly, <laughs> I'm waiting to see well, my I'm wife a... at four o'clock in the morning. If I'm up, I'm waiting to see the expression on my wife's face at four o'clock in the morning. If I'm up, uh, getting things done, and she wakes up going, "What are you doing?" <laughs> Hell with diapers! You ain't putting me in diapers. And you know it's kind of funny because everybody's like, oh, "You can't do this. You can't do that." Oh, really? Watch me. And uh, they're like, you know, how's everything? Are you okay? Uh, you know what day it is? Uh, this is in the hospital. Do you know where you are? Yeah, I know where I am. I know what day it is. I know who the dumbass president is. Okay, I had an amputation, <laughs> not a lobotomy. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, but, you know, but it, right. it's good to hear you, and I'm glad that you're, you know, you're on demand and. You know, still very positive. As I I said, through anybody that bothered to to check in on me, um, you know, people that did check in on me and checked in on Amy and and um, and kept us both sane. um, You know, I got to give shout outs to to my buddy Mark Osleber, who really really stepped up, and and my buddy Mike Webb, who refuses to take credit for anything, but he doesn't listen to this podcast anyway, so screw him if I praise him. Right. Uh, he he's really stepped up and came over, came over virtually every Saturday and helped uh, help clean clean the house and he brought Amy food and my in laws came over and and, uh, and took care of Amy and brought her some food and 
Um, and then when I got home, um, typically when I used to walk into the house from, you know, shopping or working or whatnot, I would uh, I would come up by saying, I'm home. And Amy would say, I'm here. Uh, and I would say, well, I'm happy. And she goes, well, why? I said, because you're here. He's here. Well, it was kind of funny that the, the med squad boys carried me up the stairs, and I'm like, you boys okay? And they're like, oh, yeah. You know, we're used to the four and 600-pounders. This is a day in the park. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. <laughs> one of the funnier parts about, yeah, one of the funnier parts about being in the hospital for 21 days. Oh, stop it. My wife thinks that I was flirting with the nurses. Uh no, it's called being courteous. So that, hey, if you're not courteous, they'll leave you there to rot. Anyway, um, <laughs> so you do what you got to do. But anyway, uh, the funny part is you hear all these stories about people going in the hospital for extended stays and who dropped 30 pounds, who dropped 50 pounds. I gained six pounds in the place. I went. I gained four. I went in at 204 pounds and came out at 208. And I mean, they couldn't. They were giving me uh, larger portions for for my meals because I was just going through them. What? Oh yeah. How would you want to thank you for for checking in on us on Tuesday? I mean, I was kind of half asleep when you when you messaged me about doing Brady's podcast, and I'm like, cool. And he checked and checking up on Amy was awesome. And you ratted me out too. Thanks a lot. Appreciate that. <laughs> Anytime, oh, brother, don't anytime. worry. It's all good. But you know what? I, enough I got, about I got a, me. I got a receipt coming. I get it. <laughs> nah, it's all good, bro. No, 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 no. Not even close. No, we're really happy. But you know, it's Thanksgiving Day. Let's talk Thanksgiving wrestling. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let me um, bring the show down. Listen, you know, we try to run a, a top-notch show here on Thursday nights. And, you know, you and I, do, you know, do a good job of keeping a, you know, a tier one kind of show. But I think we're going to step it back just a little bit because he's been on hold for a little bit. And uh, that's, you know, your friend and mine, that is the one and only um, – Rat boy, man. Rat boy, what's going on, buddy? Boy, boy, oh boy. Happy gobble day, and I'm too stuffed right now. I could even fit in a, a turkey pan so I could be cooked for next year. Oh, you got stuffed, <laughs> huh, Chris? Yeah, I got stuffed, man. I've been eating and eating all day, and plus I was partying with the, uh, with the mayor of my town. No and the senator of my town. I'm so nice. popular. Very nice. Nice. So what was, on, nice. Uh, what was on the, the menu at the Gorish household today? No, I, was, I didn't go to my mom and dad's house. I'll be going out tomorrow because they're having a roast over there. Oh, awesome. What did you have today, turkey? Turkey, stuffing, corn. Mashed potatoes and and uh, top it all off a pumpkin pie with whipped cream with a cherry on top. Woo! That's awesome. That's awesome. I know. Very nice. Very nice. Now, I ate so, twice. I ate twice or maybe three times. I'm gonna I have to go for the pork one. Thanksgiving's all about. 
Yep. That's why Thanksgiving's your favorite holiday. You can eat like crazy, watch football, relax, sleep, and not have to worry about giving out stupid presents. It's awesome. And, and there's one thing, though. You know why they call it Thanksgiving? No, why? This is when uh, Santa Claus really gets fat so he can ride his sled. Oh, that's awesome. You know why else they call it Thanksgiving? Is this where he pokes up? <laughs> yep, that's you know why else they call it Thanksgiving there, Rhett? That's why they call it Thanksgiving, so Santa Claus could eat any, 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 and he could be fat, and all of a sudden, you'd be Santa Claus next month. Yeah, you know why else they call it Thanksgiving, right? No, what else? Okay, well, the pilgrims were from England, and English food yeah. is notoriously bland. So they were thankful yeah. that the Indians actually taught them how to cook. Oh. <laughs> I'm to put some spice in it. <laughs> Very nice. But I, and I know okay. we talked on Tuesday about um, talking Survivor Series and, you know, because that seems to be the new, or at least for the last, you know, 30-some years or so, give or take, the Thanksgiving tradition. But I'm going to go back just a little bit further to, you know, what they – have tagged, you know, and what I learned growing up is that, you know, the granddaddy of them all, um, and that is the Starcade, um, is actually on closed circuit television before there was pay-per-view. Um, and that's Correct. kind of really what, that's really what started off the, and it was on, um, I believe on Thanksgiving night. Um, it and, was. You know, because as we talked on Tuesday, you know, you have your family over, you know, when you finally, you know, um, you know, kind of kicked them out of the house. You know, you you headed down and and caught the wrestling show, and um, it was you know of course put on by the, N- the NWA, and their their first one was you know a flair for the gold. You know, you had Ric Flair and and Hardy Race battling it out for the NWA World Heavyweight Championship all the way back in 1983. Um, seems like so yeah, long know, ago. It's kind of funny the uh, the backstory on that was uh, for about six months leading up to that match, uh, Harley Race had put a bounty on Ric Flair's head to uh, eliminate him from challenging for the title. And Flair, as we know, Flair was always a a notorious rule breaker. Uh, It didn't become popular back then to refer to... uh, um, Have you ever experienced turbulence on a flight and wondered why? And you can see all the terrain around you. Uh, You've got no issue with visibility or anything? No, everything's PG. Maybe you've sat on the tarmac for hours wondering why your plane isn't moving. Well, we're outside here. They're saying the ramp is closed. They won't let us park because of uh, Air Force One. Listen in on the conversations between pilots and air traffic controllers on the Air Traffic Out of Control podcast. 5130, declaring an emergency. There's smoke in the cabin. I need to make a landing right now on 31 left. We have the most interesting, wild, and funny ATC recordings you will ever hear. Check out Air Traffic Out of Control wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You know, good uh, good guys are scientific wrestlers. Bad guys are rule breakers as baby faces and heels. That's an insider term that should have stayed inside. But uh, with that being said, Harley had put a, a bounty on Flair's head. De facto turning uh, Ric Flair into a fan favorite 
uh, leading up to Starcade. And again, Starcade, yeah, it was you know in our in in, well, in my area of the country, you couldn't see Starcade. You didn't know you didn't know right. about Starcade '83 mm-hmm. or Starcade itself until about a month and a half, two months later, when the results came out in the magazines. Okay, because right, Starcade was a, a, a mid-Atlantic, Atlantic seaboard uh, promotion with Crockett Promotions. Uh, but they did have a full house, and they did have they did do tremendous closed circuit numbers in a few select uh, arenas uh, around that region. And I mean, it was a, a if you go back and look at the card now and watch it on YouTube or whatnot, it was really a a, a WrestleMania type card in terms of all the top stars of that region and of the NWA. Um, on the undercard, and it culminated, and it wasn't advertised as a cage match, culminated in in Flair and Harley, and they they did the cage to keep Harley's cronies like Dick Slater and such out of the match, and uh, and Flair, you know, beat Harley with, uh, I want to say he beat him with a, a knee drop off the top rope and won the title. And, uh, you know, they went back, and he always did what I thought was so cool, which was the locker room uh, interviews afterwards and uh, you know Starcade was they they call it the granddaddy of them all because you know it was a year before the first Wrestlemania and I mean it really gave the wrestling it put the wrestling world on notice because it gave them uh, a glimpse at what a very large production and what a very large card should look like no absolutely and you know going back to that whole you know the culmination of, of Flair and Race, and you know Flair chasing Harley Race for for that title. Yeah, you're right. There was a uh, twenty five thousand dollar bounty put on the head of Ric Flair, and I remember watching it in. Um, we used to watch Mid Atlantic uh, Championship Wrestling would come on I think Saturday mornings, maybe late late morning, early afternoon, around between eleven and one o'clock. I don't remember exactly what time. And I, it was, uh, I think it was Dick Slater and Bob Orton that tried to cash in on the bounty by, you know, spike pile driving Ric Flair, um, you know, onto the arena floor. Um, and now, right. you know, Flair now has a neck injury. You know, how how healthy is he going to be, you know, challenging Harley Race, who who was, you know, was the man, you know, for the NWA and, you know, a, you know, a legitimate, you know, tough guy. And, you know, here's Flair trying to, um, you know, take that title from him that meant the world to Harley Race, you know. And, of course, you know, it was it was a very uh, bloody battle, and, you know, Flair came out victorious. But, yeah, you're right. It, this was the the WrestleMania before, you know, the, the WrestleMania concept, you know, came to be. Right. Um, and we saw but, Yeah, you're right. From, you know, from, Sure, go ahead, Howard. No, no, no. And about a month later, and about a month later, we saw that same a similar storyline play out uh, with Bob Backlund and the Iron Sheik with the with the Persian clubs uh, leading up to the title change at Madison Square Garden. Absolutely, absolutely. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, this uh, I'm looking at the the, the card now, um, and it, it literally is. That top to bottom of in, in the Mid Atlantic and the NWA, um, you know, uh, it really is a is a is a who's who of 
you know, pro wrestling. You know, you had the assassins on there. You know, Kevin Sullivan was on there. Um, had that the there'll be a good with short match between Abdullah the Butcher and Carlos Colon, who you know could probably still fight today if if the boatmen were still able to. They would still be having those battles. Uh, you had Orton and Slater against Youngblood and and um, Wahoo McDaniel. Um, he was billed as Charlie Brown then, but, um, you know, the Boogie Woogie Man against the Great Kabuki and, you know, the infamous dog collar match between Roddy Piper and Greg Valentine, which today is still, you know, we talk about a lot show. of matches. Yeah, absolutely. This was the, this was the Flair Steamboat of WrestleMania three at Starcade. This, and of course this, you know, predated them all. This was, the, you know, the match that everybody still to this day, when you talk, talk about Starcade, this match really comes, you know, right to the top of it. It was a great match. It went, you know, right here to have it is a little over 16 minutes. And, you know, for Roddy Piper and Greg Valentine to go 16 minutes with a dog collar tied to each other was, was great. I think the guys did a great job in, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of as, been stated here before. I'm a big fan of the old school wrestling, the storytelling, the the dramatics, the hype leading up to it, um, and the storytelling, you know, within the match itself. Um, and I and honestly, there probably weren't two other guys other than Harley Race and Ric Flair on this card that told a better story than Piper and Valentine in their match. And we'll oh, talk totally about this. Agree. Yeah, and you know, it's Steamboat and Youngblood against the Briscoes. I mean, four of, of, of probably, you know, again, the greatest performers, you know, on the planet. Um, you know, I, I love Ricky Steamboat. Was Slaughter on that um, card with Don Ternodal or no? No, no, he wasn't, no. no unless okay. he was on, I, I can't imagine it being an undercard, but, you know, there, he's not listed on on here at all. Um, That's fine. But, yeah, I mean, Starcade, and I didn't, I didn't get to watch – Starcade, like a live Starcade until Starcade '85, um, right? Because it, you know, it was shown. Yeah, it was shown again. The Mid Atlantic Championship Wrestling being from, you know, kind of, you know, Maryland area all the way down to to Florida. Um, right. It was, you know, we up here we were we were the New York WWF based. So I was just in '83. Sure. I was just getting to learn who these guys were, and you could only see it on Saturday mornings when they would show you tiny little clips or, like you said, you know, the month or, or six weeks later when it came out in Pro Wrestling Illustrated or the, the Wrestling Observer um, in all of those magazines, and you got to see, you know, the color pictures sure. and, Everybody and, and, and read about one of the magazines. But I got to tell you, in the age before the Internet, that's how we got our information. You know, yep. forget, yeah, how did we here. survive? <laughs> well, I mean, here in Chicago, we were in eight. We were AWA territory, so that's what we right. got. You know, which was fine. It was right. a great territory, but uh, we well, got yeah, AWA it, 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 in the early eighties. Yeah, in the early eighties, the AWA was. Listen, there was three big promotions at the time. It was the WWF, which was growing, the NWA, and the AWA, and they were all. They all had fantastic. Performers. I mean, you know, you look at you know right. as far as as champions. You know, I don't think there was any better wrestler, you know, 
aside from Ric Flair, you know, a, a better wrestler, a, a guy on the mic, and, and a, you know, and a guy in the ring than Nick Bockwinkel. Nick Bockwinkel could talk, you know, he he could Nick, wrestle. He Nick was very, Bockwinkel you know, articulate. Was the, he was the, the quintessential wrestling gentleman. I mean, in that he was articulate yes. to the point. He was the he was so articulate. You sometimes you needed a dictionary to keep up with it. No, I needed a dictionary uh, all the time. <laughs> you know, Nick raised his voice on occasion, but not often. Nick exuded confidence. He carried that belt with the prestige that it deserved. Um, he took on everybody. You know, so that was that was it. But you know, just getting back to the point because we're gonna segue into into the real crux of what we were talking about um, tonight. But uh, you know, it, it the magazines were how you got your information if you were anything more than a casual wrestling fan. Hey, but, you know, I always thought, yeah, but go ahead, Chris. All right. Like in the magazines, there was there was something called web TV. That's where I used to get all my information from, from the web TV. Yeah. Yeah, when the computer started coming in, absolutely. Yep. Uh, But, you know, getting into now Survivor Series, uh, you had your, basically, you had your, your, at that time, you you had after 84, 85, you had your big three um, of pay-per-views. You basically had the Royal Rumble, you had WrestleMania, and you had SummerSlam. And so when they introduced... When they introduced the Survivor Series, I thought the format was very interesting because it wasn't a storyline format. It was an exhibition format. But I I loved how they weaved the storyline in there. In fact, one match, I don't remember what year it was, but one match was the women's, um, and they started out not as four-way dances, but five ways, you know, 10-person tag teams. And they were elimination matches. And uh, at one point, it was a women's match in which um, Velvet McIntyre got a clean pin, and he later did it again with Sherry Martel. Uh, Velvet McIntyre got a clean pin over Moolah, and that helped to set up that series of matches. And it came out of nowhere. So, you know, for, for those of us, like I said, if you were more than a casual wrestling fan, you knew, hey, this is a big deal. Moolah got pinned. Yeah. Right. No, absolutely. That 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 was the very first one. Yeah, that was the very first Survivor Series. Yep. Okay, that was in '87. Awesome. Yeah. The first and, one. And and you looked at so what, you look at Starcade '83, and it had probably eight or nine matches on it, and we fast forward now four years later. It's 1987. WWF comes out with a Survivor Series type of pay-per-view and there's only four matches on this entire card but it literally has almost every top star on the roster in, you got in the four matches with you know with a 10-person tag five on a side you wound up having 40 of the top mm-hmm. stars of the promotion in one card right yeah, so they had the, the first five on five, so that's ten, and the next is ten, and then you had a, a ten on ten, so you had four. Yeah. You had almost sixty people, you know, available to see 
you know, right. during, you know, which is really unheard of. I mean, this, to get 60 performers all on the same card in, let's say it's 20th an hour, in just shy of two hours, because the first it match went 24 minutes. Yeah, you know, it went, it went 24 the, minutes, 20 minutes, 37 minutes, and 22 minutes, and we're done. I mean, and, and <laughs> being the fact that they were, you know, elimination matches, they stuck to their times. That's what professionals yes. do. You get a lot yeah. of these indie kids that they got as, and excuse my language, as Al Snow would say, they got to get their shit in, and they don't care about the card, and they don't care about the timing, and they don't care about building to the main event because they're stupid. But and it's not professional, and I don't care no, who doesn't like it. They, you know what? What are they going to do? Chaz doesn't give two <laughs> flying craps what you think anymore. Because I in get, the grand scheme of things, I, I, I got time to get cares? a certain time to be off the air. I remember that. What? Right. Yeah, but like I, like, like we're talking about though, Chris. Yeah. Not only that, but they they told they told elimination stories. There was only one person that survived in each match. Or in the case of the ten man, that was a tag team elimination. One tag team survived, and you know they were able to to get their stuff in and tell their stories and and what a little yep. a little around two hours. That's awesome. And plus, yes. and so plus, we, we're doing Thanksgiving Day. <laughs> yes, it was it, it was well, on yeah. Thanksgiving Day. Yes. So you had you had um, it let you know in the in the tag team division in WWE at the time you had the the Bolsheviks on there, the Rougeos, Demolition, Strike Force, which was Tito Santana and um, 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 Rick Martel. Rick Martel. The, yeah, the Bulldogs. Wife, well, I saw that one. I've been watching wrestling too, so 46 years I've been watching wrestling. Yep. Well, you, know, I love you, you had the Dream Team in there. You had the Hart Foundation, the Islanders, the Killer Bees, and Beans. the Young Stallions. Paul Paul Roma and Jimmy Powers. So yep. at the end of that tag team, of all of those tag teams that are in there, that in, almost in their own right, they're all Hall of Famers. The survivors were the Killer Bees and the Young Stallions. Yeah, well, don't that you know, when he was, God rest his soul when he was alive. Don't mention Brian Blair to the Iron Sheik, because Lord knows the answer you'll get. Oh. <laughs> it was, uh, it was um, seasoned with many expletives, let's put it that way. As, as when, when you asked the Sheik his opinion on somebody, you had to be ready for that. <laughs> Almost and, definitely. You know, just, and just to, to see, and back in that time, you know, especially, you know, the mass wrestlers, you know, you never knew, you never knew who was who. And for the Killer Bees to pull that and throw the masks on, now there's a considerable size difference between Jim Brunzel and Brian Blair, you know, but, you know, kayfabe in it, you're, you, well, I don't, listen, I don't know which one it is, you know, I, I, I couldn't tell you who it was. But for, I'm for those right, young so guys, that being a being a kid that grew up in the seventies watching wrestling, I did not agree with how they portrayed masked wrestlers in the mid to late eighties. They made them into a joke. They made them into into um underneath guys. 
I didn't like it because we had such a rich tradition uh, in the early and mid-70s of masked wrestlers like my uh, dearly departed friend, the Destroyer. You had Mil Mascaras. You had all of the all the riches. Uh, you had super the various incarnations of the Super Destroyer. I did not care, with the exception of the Conquistadors. I did not care for what they did with mass wrestlers back in the mid and late '80s. I thought it was a crime until you started seeing the Ultimo Dragon and um, um, Rey Mysterio and and the rest of them uh, come out again in the in the early '90s. So I just I'll leave that out there. Just because. No, absolutely. Um, no, absolutely. I, I completely agree. You know, a. Well, uh, you know, they're, they're always. Uh, early in wrestling, they usually use the mask for a sideshow, keep the time going. Well, I agree. They also use the mask because let's say they had, let's say you had five matches, right, and you're short a wrestler. Right, yeah, one right. guy pulled double duty because he wrestled as himself and wrestled under the hood. Well, you, you had. Yeah. You had Danny Davis that, that, that he was a referee in one match, and then he was what Mr. X in a in an undercard match, you know, oh. at you know at yeah. that time. Oh, most definitely. I mean, and you look at uh, at other famous switches like that, like you said, uh, Jimmy Valiant as Charlie Brown. Uh, you had Dusty as the Midnight Rider, uh, Dusty and Magnum as the James Boys. So I mean, the, the switch to Later on, Hogan as Mr. America. You you had the switch going when you had the uh, the suspension storyline, so I get that part as well. Um, and, you know, let's take a look. You had Survivor Series 87. And, again, if you were able to get it on pay-per-view, which they were doing pay-per-view now with both the Survivor Series and Starcade, you look at Starcade 87, Night of the Skywalkers. I mean, come on. I had never seen a scaffold match uh, before then. No, that was my first as well, I, and that that in itself um, was kind of a um, you know kind of a you know a wow factor. Like wow, that you know I, I'd never seen any you know anything like that before, you know, and and for them to do that um, and do it very well, um, well you know, just goes to show you know, you know how good those guys were. Yeah, and, and going along with that, they had been used to uh, scaffold matches in Mid-South. I guess that was a, a, a kind of a a mainstay gimmick match, um, but not as tall as the one at the Omni. And even though they chopped off two sections, it was still taller than what they were used to in, in Mid-South. And, uh, you know, to see Dennis and Bobby bump off that, off that scaffold and, I'm not going to do the voice because I don't do it well enough. But if you go back and you can find Jimmy Cornette's interview about how that match was booked and his involvement in that match and how Dusty pitched it to all of them, um, it's just very hilarious as to uh, Jimmy buying into how Dusty pitched that match and how he was supposed to, as he fell, uh, actually be caught by Bubba. Uh, and, right. you know, he said, for whatever reason, Bubba lost me in the lights or whatnot, and he fell, and he blew out both knees. And he said, I guess no, he yeah, hit, his of his, hit the back of his head on Bubba's leg and kind of gave him a natural anesthetic because he was half loopy. 
And uh, right. at one point, Bubba's carrying him out, and he says, like, God, I love how you sell. And he's like, I'm not selling. I'm shooting. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and it goes back to, you know, and not a little off topic, but, you know, the, the, the transformation of Big Bubba Rogers for Ray Trailer, who Dusty saw, you know, at a match and said, I, I can do something with him. You know, I think, you know, they, they take him off, they take him off TV, they repackage him, you know, now he's Jim Cornette's bodyguard. And I remember Jim Cornette talking about it. Um, Dusty hit Bubba Rogers with a a wooden chair um, and the chair just exploded. Um, But yeah, when you listen to Jim Cornette tell about it, that was a real wooden chair that wasn't gimmick in any way. And apparently Dusty grabbed the wrong chair. And when he whacked Bubba, Bubba's like, no, let's, you know, in order for this to break, you got to hit me with it. So Dusty thinks he's grabbing a chair and he whacks him and the chair explodes. And they're like, oh, we, we used the wrong, and Bubba just stood there and, and took it. His, his hat kind of went a little crooked. His glasses fell off. Yeah. But the guy I was still standing. I understand. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to get a little, uh, just a little off topic again, because I don't agree with half of these indie guys when they talk out of their rear ends. And they were like, oh, well, you know, uh, uh, they're all hung up on how long you've been in the business. Oh, well, you got to spend, you know, 15, 20 years before you can make it. Nonsense. Ray no. Trailer was in the business nine months when they packaged him up as Bubba Rogers. Barry right. Gunn and Bart Gunn were in the business two years when they got their tryout up in Connecticut, which was in. Uh, the WWF headquarters building, they had a, a gym and a ring in there. And that's where they got their tryout to become the smoking guns. And it, it, back right. then, it, it amounted to who was your trainer, not how long you were in. So you get these guys no, that terrible trainers that are only there to grab their money and put them on their monthly shows and not give two flying craps about what happens to their students' career because they're too busy strapping themselves and acting like idiots in their own little fiefdom. Oh, I know who you're talking about. You're damn right. I'm talking about my trainer who's who's now come out recently as my enemy and he can kiss my rear end. And, uh, <laughs> you know, and they're saying, oh, you've got to be in 15, 20 years before you can make it. Nonsense. In 13 years, I made it as far as you can go without getting signed nationally. And while I was in the hospital, I celebrated my anniversary. But now I'm proud to say that I'm in my 14th year in professional wrestling. But it doesn't matter how long you're in. It matters on what you do with the time that you're in. And I'm sorry, that's my little Absolutely segue not. for tonight. No, but you no, know, you're talking and, and, about guys like, like Bubba and, and whatnot. You know, Bubba was nine months in the business when Starcade 87 came out. He wasn't no, absolutely. Nope. He, and he was, and he was nine months in the business. He gets repackaged. And if you look back through his career as Jim Cornette's bodyguard, he didn't talk for almost a year. He just stood he there and was a presence. He was, <laughs> yeah, because he didn't, he didn't know how. He was greener than goose shit. Right. And and that was part of Dusty's like, he's, he's, and, and I can't do Dusty's voice as good as, as Cornette does. No, but he just told him, he said, baby, you just, you, you just got to stand there. Just stand in front of the camera. He's like, and he said, Courtney will take care of all the talking. 
you just stand there. And it and yeah, it worked love, and it yeah. sold tickets and it made a ton of money. And I love how I love how he pitched the starcade. Hey Cash. Yeah, but Cash. Listen. Yeah. Anybody say about wrestling, okay? You know what I tell him? I said, it's not in the muscle. It's in your head. You have to think. Stories in your brain, Chris. I agree with you totally. Yep. It's not in your muscle. Everybody's always saying it's the muscle. I said, no, it's not. It's in your head. The brain. As a manager, as a mouthpiece, um, everything I need to do to enhance the match is in my brain. And then I have Mm -hmm. to perform. As a mm-hmm. wrestler, everything you need to do in order to set the match up and tell your stories in your brain, and then you have to perform. So I totally agree with you, Chris. It's a, a very astute insight in that um, if you don't have a mind for the business, if you're not smart, you're not going to make it. Right. Pure and simple. You can go out there right. once a month playing grab ass and fantasize. You're not going to make it. No, not at all. And 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 even going, you know, going back to Starcade '86, it, I'm looking it out. It's it's 12 matches, and it literally is stacked top to bottom. Again, with guys that were huge stars. Again, it's a WrestleMania, you know, type card. You know, Tim Royal, Nelson. I mean, Tim Horner, Nelson Royal against Rocky and Don Cronudo. Great opening tag team match. You had Brad Armstrong against Jimmy Garvin. Um, Hector Guerrero and Baron Ron Rashke against Shaska Watley and the Barbarian. The Russians right. against the Kansas Jayhawks, who were, you know, Bobby Jagger and Dutch Mantel. Um, Wally McDaniel and Rick Rude. Yeah. Got, um, Sam Houston and Bill Dundee. Uh, Jimmy Valiant against Paul Jones. Bubba Rogers against Ronnie there Garvin. Was underrated, there was an underrated talent. Sam Houston was as underrated as they came. That boy can work. I, I love Sam Houston. I mean, he could work. I mean, I, I go back to a few years ago. We were at the CAC. and, and Sam's one of my most favorite people to be around. Oh, yeah, and Billy Blade used to put on a hell of a card every year um, where it was a, a showcase show of anybody that was in independent wrestling. And... Um, Sam was uh, wrestling Marty Jannetty, and they were, they literally were just partying and having a great time prior to the match. And yeah, they, they, they were, we had to go, instead of being in gorilla position or even in the locker room, we had to go down to the bar and get them. And uh, (laughs) they went from the, this is no joke. And it's just, this is of the utmost respect of their ability as workers. These two guys went from the bar to the curtain to the ring, got in the ring, did their entrances, got introduced, and when that bell rang, they were as sober as two priests on Sunday. He's true on that one. You could, not, awesome. you could not tell them the slightest bit that they would be. You could, and, in, and to the fans, casual or not, you know, I notice I don't use the word mark because that's a derogatory term, but to the can, right. the casual and or astute fan, not the smart marks, because they're morons that live in the Rama's basement, 
No <laughs> one could tell that Sam and Marty were bombed out of no, their minds. You, no, seriously, you couldn't tell in the slightest bit. I didn't find out until after the show was over, and I found out from guys in the back who were talking about it. Because you know what they did after the match? They went back to the bar. From the what ring, they did the back to the bar. In gimmick, back to the mark. <laughs> TGI That's Fridays great. at the Gold Coast. TGI Fridays at the Gold Coast was the meeting place for everybody for that entire weekend. All the pictures on my Facebook that says TGI memories, they're all pretty much at TGI Fridays. There was no better memory of seeing Sam and Marty work a stellar match and then go back to the bar in gimmick and hold court. Hilarious. That's awesome. Yeah, Um, Sam has always been one of my favorites. He's always like... He was to me. He was always like the ultimate underdog, you know. He, well, I'm glad that they're both sober he, he, now and, and you know enjoying life and whatnot. And um, yeah, you know for um, and I'm proud of the fact that um, for WAW North America, the North American Women's Champion is uh, is Sam and, and Nicholas' daughter uh, Samantha Starr. She's our yeah. current Women's Champion, along with Baby Doll as her manager. And so, uh, you know, we're proud of that fact, and I'm proud to help the, uh, I'm proud to help the Smiths uh, continue that wrestling tradition, you know, in a small way. Right. Okay, talking about Starkey, okay? Yeah, bud. I I just pulled it up, okay? They're having it tomorrow, Starkey, and I see... A match in a steel cage with Becky Lynch against Charlotte Blair. You know, you got to love Triple H and his booking style because he brought down a a main roster main event to NXT. So, I mean, you got to, I cannot clap enough for um, his booking style. I mean, he's just uh, a genius. Okay. AJ Styles versus Samoan Joe in a steel yeah. cage. Yeah, I've been done a million times with ROH and yeah. whatnot and TNA over the years, but right. still it could be a good match. Yeah, yeah and, and you know, it, it goes back. It goes back to having a mind for the business, and a, you know, Triple H has has that mind for the business. You know, he understands. Mm-hmm. You know the business. He understands really what the fans want. You know, and and he understands you know how to tell a story and how to get his performers to tell a story. And you can start you're starting to see the, a change a little bit in the you know the product that they're starting to put out now. Um, now that he is you know officially you know for all intents and purposes fully in charge of you know the WWE brand. Um, and I always liked Triple H. You know, like I said, I thought he had a great mind for the business. You know, he um, he was a great perform, hell of a worker. And, you know, and, uh, and Triple H is smart. Okay. Yes. Because very he, smart. Because he just he just signed this match too. The Shield. Wow, the Shield are back together. Starcade versus Braun Strowman, Doug Ziggler, and Drew McIntyre. And a Cincinnati street fight. Wait, 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 wait a second. Wait, wait. Uh, yeah. No way they signed Moxley. 
I know, but how did Miles, how is the Shield going to be through this? You know, no way they signed Moxley and didn't they release Ziggler? Right. Yeah. That's, yeah. That does it. Yeah. Something's that not adding up. Pulling the rib on you, bro. That's where that's where you're going here right now. Yeah, I'm saying that that's yeah. someone pulling a rib on you. Yeah. That yeah. That that's got to be somebody. You know, messing with whatever whatever is out there. Yeah, but again, um, you know, it it goes along with who your trainer is because you look at Triple H and he, you know, what a mind for the business and what a genius and this and that. But you know, while he's got an innate uh, an innate um, mind for the business, it was cultivated by Killer Kowalski as his trainer. Yes, yes, it was. Yes, yeah, and, and you can see that in the guys that that were, you know trained correctly or or trained by somebody that knew the business rather than, like you said, somebody just trying to make a dollar um, and, and pushing right. guys out there. You know, I, I, I listened to um, the, um, the, uh, the show, the rock did with the territories, um, Tales from the yeah, territory. The territory. And they talked about, you know, the, yeah, the, the, the AWA, you know, you had Rick Flair, you had Ken Pateri, you had the Iron Sheik, you know, all, essentially training with Vern Gagne and at one point Ric Flair quit. He's like, I'm, I'm done. It's too much. Like I, I, I can't do this. And mm-hmm. Vern showed up at his house and said, you, you know, you, you're, you're coming back tomorrow. <laughs> and for, you know, of course he long story around, short, if you don't it. come back, I'll be back. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, and of course he slapped him around while he did it, which was hilarious. You're right. Right. <laughs> But it gets you know guys that were trained the right way. They were trained to respect the business, you know, and one and learn how to, that to be in the that, business. That cracks up. One of the funnier parts of the episode that cracks up Miami all the time. Is they're all sitting around the round table and they're talking about uh, Patera and you know supposedly throwing the rock through the um, through the McDonald's <laughs> the window. McDonald's and, or yeah, yeah, and uh, Brunzel was kind of ribbing Patera about it, and all of a sudden you hear Patera, who's now like this uh, mildly grumpy old grandfather going, shut up, Jimmy. I wanted to get him to say shut up, Amy, to me just once. It cost you 20 bucks. I, it's worth it. <laughs> I just want to hear him say shut up, Amy, just once. Yeah, it cost you 20 for that. Yeah, call, yeah. <laughs> but in the, in the first... Um, Survivor Series, 1987, in the what they built as the main event. On on the heel side, you had you know Andre the Giant, Butch Reed, King Kong Bundy, One Man Gang, and Rick Rude going up against Bam Bam Bigelow, Don Morocco, Hulk Hogan, Ken Patera, and Paul Warndorf. And I just yeah. rewatched that the other day, and I always liked Bam Bam Bigelow. I'd start for a big guy. He moved well. Um, he had whatever the, it was. He had it. No one had seen anybody like Bigelow before. There's a guy, you know, plus 350, moving around like a 195-pound cruiserweight. Yeah, who, who, who at 350, 360 does a moonsault off the top rope? You know, and I, I watched, I watched him work that, that match. Go ahead. Uh, I met yeah. Van Bigelow. You said that before, Chris. Let's talk about yeah. that for a second. 
Yeah, yeah. How, how was he as a person? Like, how was he in person? He was, put it this way, he was one of the nicest guys there. Was sitting around ringside all of a sudden. He was talking to all the fans and all. And what happened was that the next thing you know, he jumps in the ring after after uh, Shorty Shutter and beat Shorty Shutter up. But he was really he nice. He beat up Sergeant Slaughter? Yeah. He jumped in the ring and beat up Shorty Slaughter. They Shorty Slaughter stitches. And uh, after that, he got on the mic and, and he said, listen, I'm a newcomer here. They call me... Bam Bam Bigelow. And everybody thought that was uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin sitting there, but no, it was Bam Bam Bigelow. <laughs> I, I, I always liked Bam Bam. For a big guy, I thought he did well, and I thought he uh, – and this he had, he had Don Morocco in there, you know, Ken Patera, Paul Orndorff, you know, excellent, you know, workers. Um, but I think looking at it now, I, I do think that Bam Bam carried – that team through that match. And not that any of the other guys needed it, but I think it, it did a lot for Bam Bam's career. You know, I think it, it legitimized him and solidified him as a top contender, as a top tier talent. Um, and, you know, I just, I, I love the match. And I like the fact that it, it kind of wasn't centered around Hulk Hogan, but kind of at the end it, it, it was. And it, Gorilla Monsoon and Jesse Ventura were doing the commentary. And I'll never forget when um, Hulk Hogan got eliminated. I don't know if he got disqualified or he might have got counted out. I can't remember. Um, then he comes back into the ring, um, and now everybody's cheering. Although, you know, Andre's team won, and Jesse just starts ripping into Hulk Hogan. Look look at him. He's got to steal the glory. Why has he got to be out there? His team lost. And, and of course, Gorilla's trying to tell him, you know, you know, this is, the, you know, this is Hulk Hogan. But, and just the, the chemistry that, that Gorilla Monsoon and Jesse Ventura had, it worked. And those two guys calling those four matches that night was 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 fantastic. I thought they did a great job. Um, and and I miss that that kind of banter between the commentators. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, as we move forward, um, as we move forward into with Survivor Series through the years. I mean, you take a look at it. Survivor Series was the platform in which The Undertaker debuted. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And plus the Goblin Goober. Yeah. Oh, the good Goblin, Lord. Oh, you can't forget the Goblin Goober. You I can't, try, I can't to forget, forget him. <laughs> tried hard to forget the Goblin uh, Gooker. Jesus Christ. Oh. Uh, and, 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 I, and I love Terry Taylor. I, I thought he was a great talent, underused sometimes, but oh my gosh, I, I thought you know I thought he was a, he was a great worker. I, I really did. Yeah. Sure. And how about Pete Rose? He was in a in a costume too. Yeah, I mean, you know, here. Terry Taylor is a friend of mine, and uh, you know, here's what you got to understand: they ran him through the mill, the with with nonsense gimmicks. And they, you know, with the red rooster and whatnot, but Terry stuck with it, and Terry didn't give up, and Terry didn't bitch and complain. And now, what's Terry Taylor doing as, as a 60, 65, 66 year old uh, former wrestler? 
He's training that next generation at the performance center. Oh, really? So it's college. Yeah. Yep. And again, and another, another the, guy with, you know, with, with a great mind for the business. You know, and, and after all the budget cuts and whatnot, who's released and who's this and that and whatnot, Terry Taylor's still there. And that tells you something about his knowledge, his insight, his ability. And he's in great shape. And I, I had asked him one time where we were on the phone together, and I said, Terry, you ever got one more match in you? And he laughed, and he said, Chaz, who wants to see a 65-year-old man take his shirt off? <laughs> Nobody. Next time, next time I go down Florida, I got to step back to the performance center. Just see him. Yeah, they let you in. Yeah, they let me in. It's harder to get in the performance center than it is to get in the Willy Wonka's chocolate factory. Right. Right. Well, I get back down there in Florida in April. On my birthday, my cousin took me there, and they said close for business on the door. First they did, you got to be invited. Right, yeah. they knew you were coming. They, they knew I was down there. Yeah. And here you go, the, the, the dark match for Survivor Series 1990, which was the debut of the Gooker, who could forget that? The dark I match could. on that pay-per-view was a, a very young Shane Douglas and Buddy Rose. Yeah. yeah Playboy Buddy Rose. Match. Playboy Talk Buddy Rose. Talk about an underrated talent. I, un- unbelievable talent, you know, especially, you know, in his, in his, you know, gimmick of whatever his weight was. And, you know, he always, you know, 260, 270, whatever he, he, he got up to, and then trying to tell the announcer, I'm only 220 pounds. I thought that was and it great. Got over. And that, it was believable. And it got over. And that, and, and that and as, as, as silly or as, as insignificant as you think it was, that, got a, that simple interaction, got no, I'm 70 pounds lighter, got the crowd irate over it. And he knew it got how to make heat. the crowd angry. Yep, it got him heat. And that's what it's, he set out just, to do. And, and, you know, and I watched him up in up in Portland, and, you know, his he was one of the few guys that, and, and you know, I'm, and I'm sure there's more, but where his, his persona never really changed. He was always the same. Playboy Buddy Rose, no matter where where he went, whether it was you know in 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 up in Portland, you know for AWA to WWF, wherever he went, um, he was the same guy, you know, no matter where he went, and he didn't he didn't have to try to reinvent himself. He didn't have to try to you know change his gimmick per se. He just knew how to incite the crowd, make them angry. Have them cheer, have them boo, be mad, be happy, or whatever. And he could take you to yeah. match. And if you want to, um, if you want to laugh, talk going back to the Tales from the Territory series when they did the Portland uh, roundtable. The only reason 
that we see Portland wrestling now on YouTube and whatnot is because Playboy Buddy Rose had his fiance or wife at the time videotape every single show every Saturday. And the main copies got destroyed through because TV stations would always tape over uh, tapes that they considered to be old for new stuff. And without it, we wouldn't have had, um, we would not have had Portland Wrestling survive on um, on digital because Playboy Buddy Rose taping every single episode. Yeah, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. I, I, I did mm-hmm. watch a couple of them on YouTube that you can, they're, they're out there on YouTube. And, you know, this is, you're, you're talking, you know, early 80s. Budget. That was yeah, probably I mean, a lot of money. You had guys oh, selling yeah. cars on there, and the 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 upcoming matches that they had in and around the Portland, you know, um, area was on like a like an old diner or restaurant menu board. Yeah, absolutely, it was a a sign on a, on an easel. Here's where I'm going to be next week. But just, you know, like you said, if it wasn't for Buddy Rose, we wouldn't have any any of that left. And I do remember them saying that when, when they covered it. And, you know, you're watching, you're like, wow, this, this is how far we've come in the very last 40 years or so, you know, in production values from from those shows to, to what we see now, you know, has, has dramatically increased and gotten so much more you know, better and, and, you know, the production value is, is so far above what it was. But again, it, it started back in, you know, in the early eighties with, you know, like we said, with Starcade, um, cause you watched the first couple of Starcades, 83, 84, kind of in the 85, you know, the lighting wasn't real great, but, you know, the matches were, were solid and then as we got into the late 80s, early 90s, you saw the, the production value, you know, go up and up as they, as wrestling was, was you know, catching fire again and, and becoming Don't more mainstream than it was. Part of the allure of the early, of the early uh, Starcades and whatnot is that they were house shows. Okay, they were house yeah. shows that were broadcast. Mm-hmm. And so that's what house shows looked like back then. I mean, they weren't. Yeah, um, no, that's that, they Hollywood and never, They were they were cast no, as legitimate no, wedding contests. And there was a three-day event too. A three-day event too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I was probably eleven or twelve when I went to my first live pro wrestling show. It was WWF show. Um, at the the old Philadelphia Spectrum, and okay. being a kid watching it, watching it on TV, I'm thinking, wow, I'm, I'm going to get to see, you know, all all of these stars that I see on TV, and and I did for the most part, but what I didn't see and what I couldn't hear were were the announcers, and in in my 11 year old brain, I'm thinking, well, sure, they're going, I'm going to be able to hear the announcers and do it. You can't, but. The the energy when you see something live was so much better. You didn't need, you know, the stuff that you see on TV now. But 
you know, I was in awe watching these guys who, to me, were larger than life on TV. And you see them in the cloud. They're they're real people. You know, Harley Race is is a big guy. You know, here comes the junkyard dog. Here comes Sergeant Slaughter. Hulk Hogan was there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know, I First I, I remember. I you know, they. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Finish. No, I just and and, and I remember as before the main event. You know, they would always announce, you know, the next card for the next month at the Spectrum. And they would tell right. you, hey, in a return match, it was, you know, Sergeant Slaughter and the Iron Sheik, you know, and the crowd would go nuts. Or it would be Tito Santana and Don Morocco. So it would it would get the the crowd fired up right before the main event came on again. So the, there, was a, there was already a buzz in the arena, and then the main event started. And well, did me, you ever I'll, know? I'll never forget. Can I say something on top of that? Go ahead, bud. These, these wrestlers, okay, back in the day, okay, Junkyard Dog, you know, all those guys, you know. I used to go to the Spectrum, used to be there early, watch them go in and watch them, and after the match, we used to see them come out. But one thing, they just sign autographs out there. In or out, they, were, they used to sign order, autographs to everybody. Yep. And that was nice of them. Even now, baby faces would sign autographs. Yeah, and now, now these right, days, right. you have to go to the convention and get their autograph. And you have to pay for it. Correct. That's because it's all about the I'm money. sorry, what were you going to say, Chaz, before that? No, what I was saying before that was, and if you notice those house shows, uh, the main event was always on right before intermission so that they could sell tickets for a return match and whatnot right yep. then and there. And that's what my dad my, my dad would do. He would run down during intermission, and we'd buy, he would buy two more tickets to the next show. And he would mm-hmm. come back with those guess tickets. You got the good seats. For, for the, but, yeah. Went and, to there. Yeah. First card I ever went to um, when I was in, in Chicago was at the old amphitheater, and the main event was Bruiser versus Ernie Ladd in a Texas death match, and Jimmy oh. Valiant, who was still handsome Jimmy Valiant, was the opener against Greg Gagne. And they wow. had a uh, tag team title match was on there. And that was Pat Patterson and Ray Stevens against Wilbur Snyder and Rufus R. Jones. Uh, you wow. Had, uh, you had a bunch of, you know, of the uh, of the guys, and it was a, a very interesting card. Uh, that was one of the nights that they had the main event at the end, which was fine. And the amphitheater was a mean scene. Let's not, uh, <laughs> let, let's not kid ourselves. The amphitheater was no joke. No, no, not at all. Rough back in the day. The UIC Pavilion had these stairs that's where you could fall down. You know, with the exception of um, of Madison Square Garden, because Vince Senior didn't take any nonsense. There wasn't right. going to be any stupidity going on over there. But as my wife just said, you know, we used to go to UIC Pavilion for a show. This, because mm. the ice was was literally the ice rink was literally below ground, you had to climb these steep ass stairs 
to get down to your seats or, or back up away from the arena. And if you were afraid of falling, man, you better be careful because it was rough. You look down, and it's like you were going down. I mean, it looked like a slide almost. The stairs were that narrow. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. So the first time I went to wow. with El Gigante was still there. Yeah, first card Miami went to, uh, El Gigante was wrestling. It was back in the day, huh? Wow. <laughs> But then again, my that was a guy who just never caught on, I don't think. Yeah, you know, it was funny because um, uh, uh, my wife's grand uh, grandparents lived next door to uh, or across the street from uh, Dr. D. David Schultz's brother Bill, and a okay. lot of the guys when I first when I first broke in and and Amy first started coming around the wrestling, I called the uh, a lot of these uh, a lot of these smart mark workers are like. <laughs> oh, no, I call BS because I read the book, and, and Schultz didn't have a brother. So we were at CAC when Dave got inducted, and Amy went up to, to – we went to his merch table. He heard us talking. He heard us talking, and he, he looked at Amy, and he said uh, – he, he goes, why you want to – why why you want to – why you been waiting 40-something years to meet me? And I told him exactly like this. I said, my grandpa's best friend who lived across the street was a guy named Bill. He had a wife named Belinda and a son, Johnny, who looks just like you. He looked at me and goes, you know my brother. Yep. Uh-huh. <laughs> Put that story to rest. <laughs> and Doc's such, a, Doc's such a nice guy. Oh, he's the sweetest. You know, he, he signed, we bought his book, and he signed Amy's copy of the book, and he gave her an 8 by 10 and the guy that was handling him was like, Oh, no, those are separate, and Dr. D says, you don't ever tell me what to do. He got a picture with me. <laughs> He's the sweetest man oh, you've ever met. Nice. told his handler or manager or whatnot, you, you don't ever tell me what to do. Wow. You know, wow. And you get yeah, I always like Dr. D. You get these idiots that were going, Doc, can I pay you 50 bucks to slap me? And I'm thinking to myself, dude, I'll slap you for free. And I got it. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Idiots. Yeah, I I, I love Dr. D. David Schultz. He was one of my favorites. Um, he, you know, it, and I didn't like many heels growing up because, I mean, you're not supposed to. But, he was, you know, he was one of my favorites. Um, I love, you know, the Midnight Express were always one of my favorites. Um but yeah, I, I just love. What did Doc get in trouble for? I mean, and honestly, what did Doc get in trouble for? Protecting the business? It, it, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. That it, you know, that's that's exactly what he got in trouble for. God bless you know, him. And John Stoffel was at the wrong. John Stoffel was at the Absolutely. They're doing two wrestlers that don't like me. There's two wrestlers that don't really don't like me. Who did not like you? There's Rex. probably more than two. <laughs> First one is uh, D'Lo Brown. He's always picking on me when I'm sitting around ringside. Oh, that means and he the... likes you, bro. Huh? That means he likes you if he's teasing you. I know. He, te- he was teasing me a lot. And another one was Tracy Smurf. He don't like me at all because... Uh, he uh, dropped his flag around ringside. I picked it up. I went in my pocket, got my lighter, and everybody said, burn it right, burn it right. <laughs> and Tracy Smurder came up and gave me my flag and said, listen, leave my flag alone. This is America flag. 
Yeah, well, Rat, God rest his soul, Tracy. Um, you brought yeah. that one on yourself. Yeah, right. Yeah, it sounds like you put all that on yourself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Jake the Snake and my wife don't get along, but yeah, I don't whatever. Like his, well, he's mad at me because I told him Sam was better. <laughs> and I <took> him. <laughs> yeah, that that might raise his ire a little bit for sure. <laughs> he said he's mean to me, so I, I I called him a few choice names. He called me a few choice names. He flipped me off. I looked at him. I said, your brother's better than you were. And I walked away proud. You know, like I said, uh, <laughs> I love Sam. Sam's awesome. If we're going to segue into this nonsense, only guy I have never, I mean, I got along with everybody, whether it's rookies or names or whatnot. The only guy I never got along with because he questioned why I was in the business was Aria Devara. He's a douchebag. And I tell him to his face, he's a douchebag. I, I, I've heard that. In, uh, on several podcasts, uh, you know about his attitude and really how I he treats him, other people. I compared to your brother, I managed him and his brother that night. I said, compared to your brother, you ain't nothing. You're just a douchebag. And I wanted to see him <laughs> do something. He sat down and no, kept his mouth shut. Didn't like you. Uh, it was a little story about the headbangers. Um, one of the headbangers, his real name is Chaz. So anyway, yes, yes. I, I had asked him. I said. Um, it was a guy. It was an eight-man tag. So it was a it was a mess. But I said, you know, I'm a fully trained manager. If there's anything you want me to do specifically, just let me know. And he's like, Oh, I thought you were just a fan. I said, Yeah, well, you thought wrong. And so when we got introduced, <laughs> when we got introduced, uh, we were on the strangely enough, we were on the same team, and the bangers were already in the ring, and I got introduced managing um, a gentleman by the name of Mustafa. And as we're walking, we had to go to the steps on the far side of the ring. So we actually, I don't like walking around the ring. I prefer just to go straight to the ring. But this time we had to walk around the ring to get to our side for the entrance. And as I'm walking around the ring, the front row fans are chanting jazz. And uh, and he's he looks at Glenn and he's like, why are these marks chanting my name and cheering for me? And I looked at him and I said, they're not cheering for you, moron. They're cheering for me. I didn't say moron. No, I used another word that I won't use on the podcast. But I said, they're not cheering for you, moron. They're cheering for me. Yes, it's inappropriate. Yeah. I tell you what, the headbangers are something else because they cheated me out. Um, they really, they really right. cheated. I'm not a big fan of Chaz. I went to... Stepping outside. Yeah, I, I went to, to junior high school with Glenn. Yeah, Glenn's we, all right. I don't, know, we I don't like that. Yeah, Glenn, Glenn was a good guy. Good, when you see Glenn, okay, that's because he learned about the rap boy. Oh, oh I mean, he's in Florida now, but he, he was one of the one of the two people that, that got me into watching wrestling because that's all he ever talked about, and that's all he ever right. wanted to be was a pro wrestler. And so, I mean, he... You know, and guys say, oh, you know, I dedicated my life to Bob. And, and maybe some of them do, but I can tell you for a fact that Glenn dedicated his entire life from at least seventh grade to now to pro wrestling. He he lived it. Mm-hmm. He, and, in fact, I saw him um, 
part of the reason why the he made it. The Monster Factory put on, yeah, put the, the Monster Factory put on a, um, a show in a town I grew up in, in Clementon, New Jersey. There was an old flea market there, and they had um, pro wrestling there. And I was probably 17, 18 years old. I'm walking through the flea market, and here comes this guy. He kind of looked like a, like a Spider-Man kind of guy. He had a, a belt around, and he's walking. He walked from his car in the parking lot. They didn't have a separate entry. He had to walk through the flea market to get to where the Monster Factory was in the back. And he walked right through the flea market, and I looked at him. He looked at me, and he's like, "Yo, Howard." I'm like, "Yo, what's going on?" Like, I because I honestly I didn't know who he was, and you know, he, we kind of walked down like a little side a side aisle, and he's like, "Oh, I'm Glenn." He's like, "We went to Overbook together." I'm like, "Yo, man, what's going on?" And you know, I, I got the you know he invited me in, and we watched the show, and there was probably you know a hundred people there. But he was defending the – I forget what title he had at the time. But you would have thought that, that these guys that were there were were performing in, in front of 70,000 people instead of 70 to 100 people. There was that much energy in the building. And it's because of the guys that were in the ring that generated that kind of of energy. And I'm not saying all, all smaller shows are like that, but they should be. These guys should be, you know, dedicated to their to their trade you know, like these guys were, you know, back in the day. And I, I just don't see that in a lot of the talent today. No, you don't see it at all. Mm-mm. My wife is a thousand percent right. This is the me, me generation. The way that the way yeah, they yeah. act in, in real life is the way they act in the ring. And, you know, and another thing, I, I don't care what someone's orientation is, but when you've got to, over-sexualize your gimmick and shove your orientation down the fans' throats and down the, the throats of other workers who may not agree with you, get get the hell out of my business because you don't bother. Right. I mean, you look, at, you, you look at a guy like Pat Patterson, okay, he, had his, he kept his orientation to where it's supposed to be in your private life. And even if you want right. to be outspoken, that's fine. But again, you don't. You, there's children at the shows. You do not right. have to just shove your. And it goes along with society. We had a we had a show around here where I didn't. I wasn't asked, but the two guys that were the main event ended up pre, uh, like making out in a lot. It of was disgusting. Almost close to being like, as opposed to wrestling. No place for that nonsense in pro wrestling. No, not. And again, since I'm on the shelf, and I'm probably going to be on the shelf, God, for the better part of a year at least, and I, you know, it doesn't really, doesn't really matter too much anymore. I don't care if you don't like what I have to say. Too bad. <laughs> My Too bad. But it's appropriate for. Uh, yeah, uh, please online. don't. I'm gonna get a shirt down the front. It says, "Does it look like I give a f?" And then on the back, I'm gonna call, and then I'm gonna say, "You're a dumbass." Something. You know. It's... So then get insulted in the front and insulted in the back. back. So it was kind of funny because today for Thanksgiving dinner, um, we had uh, a sweet potato, but we had a baked sweet potato. So there was nothing on it. So I dressed it up with a little bit of uh, nutmeg and a little bit of uh, pumpkin pie spice, and that gave me a little bit of sweetness without sugar. 
because in, in being a diabetic, and uh, all I managed sugar's to out. From it was heartburn. That's the nutmeg, and I apologize about that, huh? So, uh, you know, there's ways around no, all that stuff. Did I miss pumpkin pie, which is my favorite? Hell yeah, I did. But I can't <laughs> have it. So, too bad. Oh, well. Custard pie. Rat, don't even start about the pumpkin pie. Otherwise, we're going to stop being friends. We we, we had cherry cobbler. I like the whipped cream and the cherry on top. That's what I like. Uh, Here we go. I brought this on myself. (laughs) More sugar. He's just adding to the sugar. (laughs) Brother, I'm going to tell you something. When I got that staph infection, do you know what set that staph infection off on on jet fuel? I drank orange juice. I was stupid. The high C from McDonald's. The high C and orange juice. Yeah, I was stupid. Yeah, I'm going to tattle on you. Oh, wow. So when a diabetic starts drinking orange juice, yeah, that's just rocket fuel. No, when he got, originally he got sick and he was tired and he didn't eat or drink anything for like a few days. And then when he finally decided to drink something, he asked uh, some people downstairs to get us, uh, get him a high C from McDonald's. So they did. And then a couple of days later, he asked for orange juice, and he slammed the entire bottle of orange juice and then couldn't figure why it looked like his foot exploded. Oh, yeah, it exploded. That's it was true. disgusting. I, I know um, my cousin is a diabetic, and she carries around Gatorade. Only if your sugar drops low. But see, I got yeah. a better idea. If your sugar drops low, uh, a couple pieces of milk chocolate or some regular Jello. But my um, husband's very seldom ever dropped low because if you go through his car, you'll find a lot of receipts for sweet tea from McDonald's. I'm going to put you on a gag order. Good enough for Trump, good enough for you. <laughs> hey, this way, I, I, I'm 59, turning on 60 next year, and there's nothing wrong with me. Oh, God well, bless you, Ray. That's debatable. <laughs> well, you're the old man on the crew, huh? Yeah. Right. I thought I was I'll old. Got my yeah, but you probably look older than the rest of us. Why don't you shut up? No, thank you. No, I look young when I shave. I look very young when I shave. And and, and today I saw my old friend. He's the GJ. He was here for the GJ party, you know, for the uh, Thanksgiving party. He goes, boy, yeah. you look good for a change. The one picture my husband put up on Facebook, he's got turkey neck. Yeah, you know what I hate? having a beard. I'm just not a beard guy. I prefer to be clean shaped. That's because when you have a beard right. you look like my So when I have a beard I look like Popeye's poop deck pappy. Oh whatever. Well <laughs> it, well one one guy down at the flea market, I, I, I do uh Columbus on Sundays and Thursdays. And uh this guy right I bought a um a key ring, right? And he looks up and he says, Oh man, what's up Willie Nelson? He called me Willie Nelson. That's awesome. Yeah, that works. Anyway, yeah, Howard, yeah, I, think, uh, I, I think it's uh, time to probably wrap up what we're doing. I had a great time tonight in terms of talking Survivor Series and talking the Thanksgiving traditions and and whatnot. Um, you know, like I said, the only shout-outs that I want to give are to uh, the people that, you know, if you if you need somebody to talk to, don't be afraid to reach out. I'm always here. Yeah. I have no life. You know, if you, uh, I'm a phone call away. Mine's posted Facebook all over the Facebook Messenger and whatnot. So, um, 
you know, with that being said, um, I'm going to try to be on the podcast as much as I can. Uh, moving, sure. moving forward, and I, I had a great time tonight. And so, Rat, what do you want to do for um, for your uh, your shout outs tonight? Well, I think I'd be down in uh, Columbus, New Jersey, at the flea market on Sunday, in the uh, L section, right behind the building. There, I'd be selling my mom pillows and blankets that she makes. And she's still going strong. She's in her 80s. You know. And I just want to say, hey, this Thanksgiving, you know, it's not over yet. Please don't drink and drive, okay? That's all I have to say. Absolutely. There's a lot of people out there tonight. You know, with being a Thursday and a holiday, there's a lot of kids out there tonight at nightclubs and whatnot. Yeah, be careful out there. If you're going to get in your yeah. car and you're going to leave it off in a parking lot. Right. Yeah, I mean, there's Please call a cab. Hey, you know, have the designated driver. And I, I think you hit it on the head, Chad. They're, they're kids. They're, they're you know, young, quote-unquote, adults. You know, so, you know, know your yeah. limits. You know, be, be, you know, be responsible. You know, we all want to go home and, you know, to our families and, you know, continue, you know, Today, tomorrow, um, I just want to give a couple, you know, shout outs to um, um, Granny Holster and her and her husband Dave. Dave's battling some illnesses. Um, just pray that he continues to get better. I know they had a couple of little setbacks um, over the the holiday, um, and even a little bit before that. Um, but just continue, pray that he continues to get better. Um, you know, keep praying for Papa Stro as he continues to get better. Yes. Um, he, he does. He does interact with the show on Tuesday nights in our group chat that we have on Facebook Messenger. Um, you know, he's looking forward to coming back, and it looks like it's going to be soon. I don't know how soon it's going to be, um, but hopefully, you know, it's in the next couple of months that we can have him back, kind of, kind of running this ship and and doing his thing. I know he wants to get back. He's got a couple of things to get squared away. Um, but you know, I had a really good time. You know kind of going down memory lane tonight, guys. I appreciate you coming in and coming on. I know you're tired and, you know, you're still recovering, but, you know, continue to get stronger, brother. You know, I know you're going to, you're going to do it. And, you know, we'll be praying for you, for you and Amy. And we'll pray that you don't, you know, annoy Amy any more than she can handle. And, you know, we'll, we'll pray that she keeps her sanity. Nice guy. Oh yeah. I, 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 I got to keep Amy, uh, um, Calm and sane, because Lord knows if I set her off, wow, she'll go on this tirade for <laughs> hours. Uh, my whole right. goal is not to treat him like he's got an injury, to treat him like he's a, everyday average Chaz Moretti, and I don't, I've never changed the way I'm going to treat him. I'm going to be the same wife. And I can't leave the house right there now to go. go shopping, which is my usual out. But um, in a shop. couple months, I'll have my my new bionic leg and. Look out, world. I'll be back. I just want some chicken tacos. There you go. There you go. Sounds good. But I I think starting um, next week, I think I want to drop not as as early as In the Room comes on um, on Tuesdays from 730 to 930, but I think I want to drop the time back from 8 to 10, start here at 8 o'clock, and we're off the air by 10. Um, Because it takes me a little bit of time to wind down. from the show and, and kind of get to bed. So if I can 
get a little bit of it back, you know, I, I think it'll be a little bit better for us. So starting next week, we will be on the air from 8 to 10 on Thursday nights, 8 to 10 Eastern time. That's um, fine. And then we're back right yeah, yeah, that's a good time. That's yeah. a good time. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we're here WCW Retro. You know, don't forget to catch Brady and, and, and the rest of the crew on in the room on starting at a new time, 7.30 to 9.30 on Tuesdays. And, uh, Rappel, are you still doing Wednesdays, um, Top Rope Wrestling? Uh, what it is that we're not sure what they were doing it on uh, Top Rope. Just tune in, you know, and find out when we're going to have it. Okay. So I, will, I, I will okay. find out on Monday when we're going to have okay. it. And yep. I'll let you guys know that's on good. Tuesday. Perfect. And that that's would the be plan. Great. So guys, that's thanks, good, thanks, thanks for calling in. Yeah, it's, it's been a great night tonight. I appreciate everybody. Everybody have a safe night and continue to enjoy the, you know, the Thanksgiving weekend. Until next week, guys. And, and, and one more thing. One more thing. I know Dallas won today, but I tell you what, Eagles are still on top. Yes, they are. Yes, they are. It's been a good season. All right, guys, thank you. Everybody have a great night. All right, take care, guys. Bye, y'all. Bye. Bye. Hey, this is Total Package. Lex Luger, you're listening to the VOC Nation. Don't miss out. VOC Nation's own Stroh Maestro suffered a major medical and financial catastrophe this year from the VOC Nation family. To all of you, please continue to pray for Stroh Maestro for his continued recovery. You can also donate to his cause, paypal.me slash The worldwide leader in entertainment. This is the VOC Nation Radio Network. Check out In the Room every Tuesday night at 9. Listen in. Pro Wrestling Illustrated's Brady Hicks, former WCW star Stro Maestro, Kathy Fitz, Matt Grimm. And you and Ray are there too, right, Ray? We sure are, and we've got great guests like Lex Luger, AJ Styles, Taku, and more. It's a heck of a party. Plus, I didn't get thrown off the uh, building. And then we got pregnant. I didn't get pregnant either. Sometimes I think it gets so ridiculous. We were getting into, like, snuff film territory there. In the room. 9 p.m. Eastern on VOC Nation. Yo, this is Jerry Stiggs of the Nasty Boys. Yeah, Brian Knobs, yeah, you get ready to get nasty. Well, listen to the VOC Nation, baby. VOC Nation is one of the longest-running wrestling podcast networks. Having started way back in 2010, VOC Nation provides daily streaming shows where fans have the ability to interact with their hosts, and guests via phone calls, emails, and Twitter. VOC Nation hosts include former backstage interviewer from both AWA and WWE, Ken Resnick, former WCW performer The Maestro, former Impact performer Wes Crisco, Pro Wrestling Illustrated contributor Brady Hicks, and former Philadelphia radio personality Bruce Works. Archive-free content includes past interviews with huge names like Hulk Hogan, Jesse Ventura, Kurt Angle, Jimmy Hart, Ricky Steamboat, Sting, Mick Foley, Joey Styles, Howard Finkel, and so many more. Listen live at VOCNation.com and subscribe to all the podcasts by searching VOC Nation Radio Network on your favorite podcast app. And be sure to follow these guys on Twitter at VOCNation. Phil After has been in the pro wrestling business for over 50 years. Hey, talking here with uh, Arn Anderson. Arn, first of all, your height and weight. 6'4", 
61255. And now subscribers to VOC Nation Premium get exclusive access to Bill After's archived audio footage. And uh, where's your hometown? Minneapolis, Minnesota. Okay, and uh, give us something about your back. First of all, your relationship to Ole Anderson. Ole is my Subscription to VOC Nation Premium starts at just $3 a month and includes commercial-free audio and video versions of our top podcasts. Okay, we're speaking here with uh, the manager of the World Heavyweight Tag Team Champions, Tarzan Tyler and Luke Graham, and he's uh, he's sort of glowing tonight about a new prospect we haven't heard of yet. And for just $9 a month, Aptor's archives are all yours. Uh, would you tell us who this new prospect is? Well, I'll is? tell you, Bill, I've searched the world, and I finally <laughs> found the true world champion. I finally found... What's your opinion of uh, Ivan Koloff winning the title from Bruno San Martino? Well, I think, uh, I don't know what to say, but I, I want to say one thing. Bruno was an early champion. Yeah. Here are exclusive interviews with the greatest performers of all time. This is the last year, and once again, we're speaking here with Bruno San Martino. Bruno, first of all, how did you and Bruiser lose that title to the Valiant? Well, actually, it was a, a, a very unusual loss, if you want to call it. The Did loss. Women have anything to do? Well, yes, but the whole thing is this: if the rules, as I always understood them, was that you, the title could only be lost by pin or, or submission, which is the same rules as uh, my title, the Worldwide Wrestling Federation. That night, uh, it was. To sign up, it's very simple. Head to premium.vocnation.com or go to patreon.com/vocnation. VOC Nation takes you behind the scenes of the greatest moments in pro wrestling history. Each and every Thursday night, check it out. WCW star Stro Maestro takes you on a journey. It's WCW Retro. Talking old school match of the week. Talking dream matches. Taking your calls and looking back on an incredible career of acting, entertaining, and wrestling. Check it out. VOCNation.com. WCW Retro. Be sure to call in Thursday nights, 9 Eastern, on the VOC Nation Radio Network. This is Matt Hardy, and you are listening to the VOC Nation.